Well, I'm kind of missing the birds. The bluebirds are gone. The Carafex sparrows have flown to coop. We finished the book of James, retweeting Jesus. And many of y'all helped with the retweeting. I want to thank you. Thank you for helping us pass on the word week by week. Some line from the book of James that blessed people, and we hope that you'll continue that practice of retweeting the word of the Lord as you hear it. What I'm going to do now is today we're going to talk about wealth in motion from the text that James drew from in the letter that we've just gone through. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be looking at the words of Jesus, which James retweets in his letter. And then next week, I want you to gather with me as we look at the disciples and Jesus parked over against the wall of the temple next to the treasury. Yes, they are watching as people give their gifts to the house of worship. And Jesus identifies a great giver, and we're going to talk about her and about this process Jesus used as he taught his disciples about giving. September is a special month in which we emphasize giving through the house of worship to the work of the Lord. Part of our worship is to bring our tithes and offerings into the storehouse. And so I hope that you practice that, that you will follow the scriptures as we look at that practice. If you are not part of those who give regularly, that you'll join in. On a normal month, we have about 300 giving units, family units, that give to support the work of the church here at First Baptist. And we're hoping that we get 100% participation from everybody in the room today in the month of September. That means if you've been giving cash in the plate, we'd like you to put it in an envelope and put your name on it so we can record that as a gift that uh, comes from one of our family units. Our goal is to have 450 family units participate in the support of this ministry in September. September 28th, we're going to have a Money in Motion offering to support the work here at First Baptist New Orleans, including Care Effect and all of the mission work that we do here and abroad. All right? So that is going to happen the next two weeks then. Today and next week are about wealth in motion. On the 21st, I'm going to start a series from the book of Esther, Doing Good in a Hostile World. I hope that you'll join us for that study. It'll be eight or nine weeks. You can prep by reading through the book of Esther, doing some underlining, putting some notes in your margin, and thinking about this wonderful story from the Old Testament. All right, so it's the book of Esther through the fall here at First Baptist. Now we go to Matthew chapter 6. These are the words of Jesus. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. This is what James is drawing from. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. These are the words of Jesus of Nazareth, our Savior and Lord, embedded in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount as a summary to some of the things he has already said. He's already talked about prayer. Prayer is your relationship with God. It is you on an intimate basis in conversation with the Father. He's talked about alms. That is your provision for the poor and needy around you. It is your expression of loving your neighbor. He has said we ought to do our alms not before men to be praised by them, but before God to receive his praise. So God is the audience for all that we do in the care effect in any good work that we perform. He's talked about fasting. This points to your daily spiritual holiness. The spiritual exercises of your life, your personal disciplines as a believer. When he comes to verse 19 now, he's sort of summing up. And he begins to talk about heaven as he often does. In fact, Jesus mentions heaven 66 times, or it's 66 times in the book of Matthew, 38 times in the book of Revelation. Matthew's the place where heaven's mentioned most. Jesus is the one who hev mentions heaven most in all of the writers and preachers in the Bible. Heaven's mentioned 400 times in the New International Version. Do you believe in heaven? Have you been thinking much about it? Celebrate the reality of heaven. In your life, celebrate the reality of heaven. Jesus believed in heaven. I believe heaven is for real. Not because the book says it or the movie says it, but because Jesus said it. Jesus said, heaven's for real. And I believe it. I'm looking forward one day to seeing my loved ones who are in heaven. Jesus taught us to say, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. He wanted us to see God in his holy place as we prayed, to envision him there. When I was reading this and trying to prepare these notes early in the morning, I got to this part about our Father who art in heaven, and I left the table, and I went outside, and I stood in the middle of the street. And I looked over the top of my house toward the east. It was still dark, and I could see Orion's belt above the roof line of my house. And it seemed that it was very far away. Does heaven seem far away to you? 
Jesus talks about the kingdom. He comes preaching the kingdom of heaven. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He says to them, the kingdom does not come by observation, so don't listen to the people who say, here's the kingdom or there is the kingdom, because the kingdom is in your midst. He said, when you pray, say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is in your midst. The kingdom is within you. Heaven may not be as far away as you have imagined it to be. Maybe it's closer than you ever thought it was. Jesus intends for his teaching on the kingdom to bring the kingdom close to our mind and to our heart. So we're thinking about heaven. We've got heavenly vision and heavenly thoughts. Jesus taught about heaven because he wanted us to think about heaven and think that way. Jesus says here, choose heaven as your storehouse. Some people store things on earth. I guess all people store things on earth. Have you ever chosen a storehouse poorly? Have you ever chosen one poorly and you went to get your clothes and thought, oh, I'm going to wear that thing I stored and the moths had got there first? Have you ever stored an appliance in a storehouse and thought, I'll just go get that stove? And when you went to get it, it was completely corroded and rusted. How many of us lost all our stuff in the great flood? Storage units are a big business. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed the proliferation of storage units all over the land? Everywhere you go, on every major artery in every little hamlet and town in America, there are these storage units, one after the other after the other. Someone's making lots of money, and somebody's paying lots of money to store stuff in these little boxes. And Jesus says, all that stuff that's stored up that you think one day you're going to use, the moths and the vermin get to it. And the mattress you stored for later on, when you finally get to it, you're going to find out the rats got there first and they built a nest in it and you don't want to use it. You got to choose your storehouse wisely. Jesus suggests that you store things in heaven. Now, that's a perplexing suggestion. I stood and looked at Orion's belt, and I thought, how would I ever get anything from here to there? How could I possibly store anything that far away? And yet Jesus insists that you can store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And if you do this, if you store things in heaven, if you're deliberate about it, if you think about it, if you plan your life this way, if you follow the literally the teaching of Jesus, if you store these things in heaven, the moths and the vermin and the rats and the rust, they won't get to this stuff. And it'll be there for you. Stored in heaven where it won't get corrupted. And so I think about, okay, how does one store something in heaven, really, how do you store something in heaven? I think about Jesus teaching on prayer. 
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I think, well, I'm storing something in heaven as I develop my relationship with the Father, as I pray to him and listen to him as he speaks to me. In that relationship, I'm storing things in heaven. And I'm storing things in heaven as I give my alms to the poor, which he addresses in that next section of the sermon. So as I care for those who are about me, who are in need, I'm storing things up in heaven. If I'm doing it in the right spirit, with the right heart, and the right way, and keeping that second commandment, love your neighbors, you love yourself, and caring for that person who is hurting and in need. And I'm storing things in heaven as I do my fast, as I practice personal holiness, as I pay attention to the disciplines of walking with Jesus on a daily basis, as I develop and become more like him, I am storing in heaven where moss and rust cannot corrupt and thieves will not break in and steal. Now, later on in the Bible, it talks about how some people have waiting for them gold and silver and precious stones. And when they get to heaven, they're going to have these wonderful things that are laid up there. And other people have stored up wood, hay, and stubble. And the scripture says everything's going to be tested by fire. And some people's stuff is just going to burn up. You ever lost anything in a fire? We know what a flood will do. People came to New Orleans after the flood with U-Haul trailers and left with a 10-gallon trash can of everything they could possibly save out of that house. A fire does the same thing. It just takes it all. Are you storing every, anything in heaven? Laying up any gold, silver, precious stone? Have you thought about it? How you'd store something there? Have you ever thought about how you would store money if you're going to store it in heaven, what you would convert it to? Ever thought about that? Jesus is talking about money. He does that a lot. All right? He talks about money. How would you save a $20 bill if you wanted to put it in the storehouse in heaven? There was an article in the Baptist Press this week, came out on Friday, about our care effect. And it quoted Mike Edens, who talked about Victor, somebody who came to one of our feeding stations. And Mike talked to him. He had a terrible problem in his life. He showed him the scriptures how he could know Jesus as Savior. And Victor trusted Jesus as Savior. Is Victor here? Are you here, Victor? Victor comes to the feeding station still, and he helps us feed. And ever since that day, he's had a transformed life. He is one of many, many stories. I think Mike Edens stored up some treasure in heaven when he shared with Victor how he could know Jesus. I wonder if maybe Miss Virginia stored up some treasure in heaven when she fixed that food that Victor ate that day. Christy says in the article, she says, we want people not just to come to First Baptist, but to come with First Baptist. Not just come to us, but come with us. Come with us. Where are you headed? Well, we're headed out to help the hurting and the hungry. 
We got about 600 people every week we're, we're trying to feed. You can help us. Come with us. Come with us. We're seeking to make compassion ministry accessible to everybody in the room so that we can reach out like Jesus said with alms to the needy and maybe with a right heart store up treasures in heaven with our time and our energy and yes even our money you come with us when we do kingdom work and you're in the van you know you're on the bus you show up at the Oz you show up at Gentilly Lowe's you go to the prison you go to the nursing home you're there you come with us you come with us when you pray and I hear so many prayers in fact I hardly hear a member of this church pray now without you praying that God will bless care effect that God will bless our work as we go out and you're coming with us as you pray that God will bless the work. And you're coming with us when you give your money. You think about it. It's true. If laying up treasures in heaven is prayer and alms and spiritual exercises, then all of us have an opportunity to do some of that as we worship by giving of our tithes and offerings. And I'm inviting you today to come with us in your giving. Now, some people think that if the preacher is successful and he gets lots of money when he preaches on it, his salary goes way up. He gets more money and he can buy a new car. <laughs> Wrong. You got that, right? In this church... I don't set my salary or benefits at all. Never have. In this church, we have a group of people we elect who are part of you all, and they sit in these pews, and they're the ones who decide how much everybody's going to make. And you know what? They pay me the same whether you listen to my sermon on giving or not. <laughs> all right? I'm not personally going to benefit. If you heed this message and try to store up treasures in heaven with some of what God's given you, but I hope that you'll do it. Because if you do, then you will be part of every good thing this community of believers is doing out there. I was walking around the church today. Uh, this morning as I do I get here early and I just walk and I just pray and you know who I prayed for today and thank God for today I thank God today for the regular faithful givers who carry the burden of this work week after week and they give their tithes and their offerings and for some of them 10% of what they make is a little bit and for others 10% of what they make is a lot but it's all the same in Jesus eyes whether it's little or whether it's a lot numerically if it expresses your heart of love unto God and reflects how God has blessed you and so folks who give regularly proportionally I thank God for them and you know what I feel them with me I do 
I can't tell you how this affects me to be in the office on Monday morning and realize our offering is going to take care of all of our needs for this week. Now, we have a reserve, and that's great. But it's important, and, I, and when we receive the offering, I think, you know, our people are with us. They're with me in this work. They're helping us do care effect. They're helping us support the missionaries around the world. They're helping pay my salary so I can run around all over the place and do the things God's called me to do. They're helping pay Jonathan's salary because he's reaching out to young people. And they're helping pay Faith Scott. She's teaching the new believers class and she's getting ready for the fall festival and she's helping with all the small groups of kids and they're helping us do our children's work by giving of their tithes and their offerings. And the truth of the matter is you never quite feel like you're with us until you give to support the work. You know it? It just doesn't ever really become yours until you got some time invested, you've got some energy invested, you've got some money invested in this work. And we take as good a care of those dollars as we possibly can because we feel a tremendous stewardship in doing this and Kathy Dobbins is our new business manager are you in the room Kathy there she is and when she came on board as part of our team she says I feel such a weight of responsibility to handle the Lord's money properly and well and we're grateful for her for our finance team I see Larry Holmes right back there chairman of that finance team and I'm grateful that people are watching it we're going to take good care of the money that you give and the money that you give will connect you in a new and deeper way to the work. And you will see it more as ours than just those people up at that church. No, when you talk about your church, please talk in the first person. My and our, not theirs and them. All right? Talk in the first person because it's your church. It's your ministry. As you invest your life here, your time, your talent, and your finances, it's yours. It's yours. And it's a wonderful and beautiful thing. I love telling people about First Baptist New Orleans. And when they ask me, I tell them, it's a wonderful church. I love being part of it. I had someone say just recently, they said, since joining First Baptist and being part of going out into the community, we're never going back to the old way of doing church. We're just not. We're not going back. We like the idea that we don't just come to church. We go with the church into the community that God has given us to serve. I love it. I hope that you will express your support, your love, your approval, and your affirmation of the ministry of our staff, the ministry of our care effect, ministry of our missions by giving as well as praying and going keep your heart in the kingdom don't let your heart get trapped in some storage unit on a highway somewhere 
Don't let it get locked up in some vault somewhere. Keep your heart in the kingdom. Will you do this? It will bless you. It will keep you living and breathing. It will give you joy in your journey. It will give you peace if you will keep your heart in the kingdom, in the storehouse of God's grace, instead of in a bank account somewhere. Keep your heart in the kingdom. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You may read that statement of Jesus and think, well, I need to really treasure the things of heaven, and that's absolutely true. But sometimes attitude follows behavior. And I suggest to you that sometimes if you move your money, your heart will follow. Maybe your heart's not in it yet. To give to the Lord, to give a tithe, a tenth of my earnings, that seems impossible. Even to give 5% seems impossible. All right. Maybe that does seem impossible. But because the Lord says do it, do it anyway. I mean, that's a good reason, right? Just obey. I guarantee you, you start giving to the Lord and your heart will follow. You're going to start caring more about the work, what happens here, what God's doing in his world, about the missionaries you pray for. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You think if you put it in the plate, it's disappearing and you'll never see it again. In contrast, you think if you put it in your bank account, it's always there. You can always check it. I want to flip that. Okay? Jim Elliott was a young man in his 30s. When he felt the call of God to go to Ecuador and take the gospel to this remote tribe that were known for their violence, he and two other men went down there. They established an outpost near that tribe, and they began to just reach out to them in little ways. Finally, they made a friend, and they thought this friend correctly represented the feelings of that tribe to them. And so they acted on that friend's advice, but that friend was wrong, and he did not accurately reflect the attitude of that tribe toward those missionaries. And Jim Elliott was killed by the missionaries along with his two friends in their 30s. Before he died, when asked why he would go, Jim Elliott said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's bow together. Forgive us, Lord, when we get it backwards, thinking we can hang on to these earthly stored treasures.
Help us see things rightly from your perspective. Lord, teach, it, teach us what it means to be spiritually minded. Show us how we can invest in the kingdom, in the work that lasts forever, is the, in the changing of hearts and lives, in the rescue of the perishing and the care for the dying, in the benefits that last forever. God, show us how we can give what we cannot keep and gain what we cannot lose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.